Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on Tuesday, May the 5th. Yesterday, we say may the 4th be with you. Today remarks, Revenge of the 5th. Yeah, good Star Wars puns. Anyway, let's move on from that. Got a good show lined up today. At the end of the program, I'm going to be chatting with the Building and Engineering Development Manager for the City of Kamloops. We're going to talk about what is going on when it comes to construction and what took place in the month of April when it comes to building permits. It looks like the construction industry is moving ahead pretty strong here in the city, but we'll get a little bit more detail on what exactly that means here towards the tail end of the hour. And in just a little bit, while well, I'll be going over some of the modeling that was uh, demonstrated to us yesterday by our provincial health officials. So I'll be chatting a little bit more about that. Uh, but that actually leads me right into my first guest here. My uh, show is beginning today with uh, BC Health Minister Adrian Dix. He joins me on the phone now. Minister Dix, how are you doing today? Uh, it's great to be on the show, Jeff. I'm doing great. Well, glad to have you back. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, now, we talked a, a few times now about this, you know, mid to late May as a time when we could start to see restrictions ease a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. And yesterday, Dr. Bonnie Henry came out and said, you know, if we could get to zero cases potentially by mid-June. So with that in mind, I just wanted to sort of get a, a sense from you about a, t- a timeline here of how we kind of work to start easing restrictions in mid-May, but yet still target mid to mid-June as a time when we could potentially have zero cases. How do we get there? Well, by, first of all, continuing to follow public health uh, orders, of course, and continuing to work together on physical distancing, on the kind of engineering controls, things like plexiglass shields and businesses um, and administrative controls, uh, which is not going to work sick, that we've been doing up to now, right? And I think um, the the evidence that was presented by Dr. Henry yesterday showed the extraordinary work people have been doing in Kamloops and everywhere else. Um, what's happened in BC is different than other provinces. Uh, we've had, I think, very good results. We've also had fewer orders here than most other places. So uh, construction has continued to operate. Uh, major projects have continued to operate. Uh, um, no, Really, most businesses haven't been shut by orders. The mm-hmm. ones that have been affected by orders principally are personal services business, our restaurants, our bars, etc. So um, we don't have as many things to order. Uh, I think um, the Premier of Ontario uh, announced he was ordering gardening centers yesterday. Well, they hadn't been closed in D.C., for example. So, uh, so the, we're going to be obviously giving, uh, the Premier's going to be speaking tomorrow and talking about the, t- the timeline for that. But we're at the point where we have to find the new normal. We flatten the curve. The virus still exists. It's still, as we've seen in some poultry plants, uh, virulent and can have a terrible effect. So we've got we've to now... Uh, adopt the rules that we're going to follow for the next year as we live with the virus, not allow it um, to expand in terms of transmission, but also do more together, especially uh, economically. I think that's a perfect segue here into my next question. So I wanted to ask about, you know, when when we're saying potentially getting to zero cases by mid-June, what exactly does that mean for the general public? Because obviously, and it sounds fantastic, right? We have no cases of COVID-19 anymore in BC. That would be ideal. That would be great. But, I mean, that doesn't obviously mean that we're living without the virus. It's still going to be around us in some way, shape, or form. There's people still traveling out of province. So what does getting to zero cases mean for British Columbia if and when that does happen? 
Well, I think it's continuing to flatten the curve. I suspect they're going to continue to be there. There are going to continue to be cases. COVID-19 is in there. It's in our communities all over the province uh, with different degrees of intensity. And so that's why we have to be we have to be prudent in terms of dealing with uh, transmission as we become more active, as we open up more businesses, as people return to work more. The physical distancing requirements are going to be more important, not less important, because we're going to have to, we're going to be together more in different settings, which means that physical distancing and uh, and engineering controls that we put in place that we'll put in place are going to be uh, more important. But um, we're hopeful we can continue to flatten the curve. Yesterday, across British Columbia, there were nine people receiving mechanical ventilation, which which is obviously a good thing for us to see. There's still too many care homes that are dealing with uh, this situation, particularly in Metro Vancouver, but also um, also uh, one in the Interior Health region, which is still uh, operating, and so uh, which is still in. Place and outbreak protocol is still in place. So um, we've got to we've got to adjust and continue to adapt to make sure we're suppressing the virus. Whether we get to zero or not, I don't know, but we have to continue to reduce the level of transmission. And this allows us to do more. And uh, obviously, if the transmission were to spike up, which it would do if we returned to what we were doing in December, we'd see a spike in transmission, we'd be right back into it. Right, so we have to. It's in all of our interests to uh, to break the chains of transmission on the one hand, but also do more together because we're going to have to we're going to have to deal with this new normal for the summer and then the fall to come. Um, what does this mean in terms of our hospitals? Uh, I want to ask a little bit about critical care beds and when those could potentially start um, to be a little more, I guess, widely available for people who are in dire need of them. Obviously, they are already, but, um, you know, you've been trying to clear them up a little bit to make sure that there is space for COVID-19 cases. Here in NIH, uh, 54 of 84 critical care beds across the interior are occupied, but only one of those is for a COVID-19 patient. Uh, so 64.3%, which is the highest occupancy rate of any health authority um so i'm just just wondering what does this mean for beds moving forward are we going to see those fill up is ih maybe at more of a risk right now when it comes to a potential outbreak um but i'll start with that is ih maybe one of the areas that could potentially be more at risk here because we do have a higher occupancy rate for our, our critical care beds well, yes and no. Um, uh, no, because um, there have been fewer cases in IH, and we've seen that over time compared to Fraser Health or Vancouver Coastal Health, for example, the Metro Vancouver ones, where there have been more cases. So uh, in that sense, there's been less, there's less COVID-19 in IH, although it obviously exists there. We've also built up, if you look at the graph, I think I know the, the table uh, that you're looking at, um, a capacity to move ventilators uh, very quickly around the province. So uh, if there were an episode in IH, we'd have the capacity both to move patients if we needed to um, with uh, transportation ventilators, but also uh, to add capacity to IH. And we've already done that in this period, and we're going to do that in anticipation of what we hope doesn't happen, but what may happen, which is another uh, spike in cases in the fall. So we're increasing our critical care capacity to deal with COVID-19. But you're right. We do need to move and deal with other things. We've canceled or will have canceled by middle, late of uh, May, about 30,000 uh, surgeries across the province, including many thousands in IH. So we have to get back to that work as well. And that's going to involve some changes in the way we do surgeries. We may do, and we have to, we may have to, because of the precautions we take, 
to do surgeries. It'll take longer to do each individual surgery, so that will be a challenge. But we we need to put in place um, uh, new new protocols to protect people. But also, we got to get back to doing uh, scheduled surgeries in the way that we have. We've done about I don't know in the range of fourteen or fifteen thousand overall surgeries, which are urgent surgeries. But those thirty thousand, uh, what are called elective surgeries, are all absolutely necessary. There are people struggling in pain right now, and we have to get back to that work. And you're going to hear more about that uh, later this week. Okay. Um, and, and just to follow that up, I mean, I know a lot of hospitals often deal, uh, you know, are operating at surge capacity sometimes, right? So they're already seeing uh, an overflow. Um, and, and right now it looks great, right? There's 30 beds available here in the interior health region, 30 critical care beds. Um, but as we start to get towards a, a, more, a quote unquote new normal, right? As we move towards the summertime, some of those I assume are going to start to fill up. I mean, um, what, what is the strategy? Have you developed it right now for keeping some beds open in the event that there are a, a, a of COVID-19 cases? Oh, absolutely. That's a comprehensive part of the strategy. Remember, those are the critical care beds, but we also have uh, hundreds of beds that are empty right now in IH mm-hmm. and across the province, so some 4,000 that we're able to use to address some um, um, those needs. And so some of those we have to keep open for COVID-19 as we maintain our preparation. Right now, for example, across BC, there are roughly 77, well, there are 77 people currently in hospital. And of those, Uh, a subset, uh, 20, are uh, in critical care. So um, we have hundreds of beds available in IH, and uh, but what what this has shown us is the need to be more flexible as a healthcare system. So of course, what we're uh, doing as well is ensuring that um, people in more remote communities can get access to care. So we've added ambulances, including air ambulance services, and uh, so that we're ready in case of uh, of an outbreak, especially in a remote area, either in northern health or interior health. Uh, uh, running up here on the on the clock here, Adrian, but I did want to ask a little bit about sports just briefly while I had you here because Dr. Bonnie Henry did say yesterday that, you know, Little League Baseball is something that might be possible here this summer but would look a lot different. There was also a question asked when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks who are there, you know, looking to possibly be a host city for NHL games if and when that ever does indeed happen. Uh, just uh, wanted to get a little bit of a comment from you just on the possibility of these types of things here come the summer. A lot of people obviously are, are looking forward to seeing some athletics. We've been deprived here for a couple of months. Um, how, how possible do you think it is that uh, the general population will be able to partake in some form of team sport here moving forward? And what is the possibility of, uh, you know, the, the, your ministry being involved uh, when it comes to uh, the Vancouver Canucks potentially being a host uh, arena for, for NHL games? Well, in order of importance, I think uh, kids sports is the most important thing. Yes. I think we want kids to play this summer, right? We have to find different ways to play. And that's going to involve some adjustment because we want to keep kids safe and we're going to keep their parents safe and their grandparents safe. But um, I think it's really important that we play and uh, especially that kids have the opportunity to play. Baseball is a sport I think that's quite well suited um, to physical distancing. Right? It's, uh, say, more suited to it than, oh, I don't know, Jeff Rugby, for example. Um, and so I think it's really important that, that we work, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to work with uh, Little League and other organizations because I know the season usually ends in June for most people or goes kind of April to June for most people, and then there's some, some uh, elite events after that to, to create some opportunities to play, for example, baseball this summer. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, the Canucks, we, you know, and uh, the NHL, uh, that's something we'd have to look at. I think Dr. Henry said that we'd be open to looking at that. You can imagine 
a circumstance where physical distancing is allowed and there are robotic cameras, for example. Because the advantage of the NHL has over, say, the WHL, uh, which is more important than Kamloops, is that um, they get a significant amount of revenue um, from, uh, from television rights. And so it may be in their interest to perform before empty an empty stadium it's where it's where i think it's more of a challenge right now is for uh, lacrosse for minor hockey for leagues and venues which depend on um on spectators uh, in-person spectators that's going to be more challenging uh, now and in the com- in the months to come and we're obviously concerned with that so the nhl is important but um so are all those important leagues like the whl as well absolutely well thank you so much for doing this minister Davis. Right always appreciate it and, uh, Take care. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. You as well. Thanks so much. That was BC Health Minister Adrian Dix. Well, let's take a quick break here. And coming up, I want to go over a few things that were said by Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry uh, yesterday during that modeling briefing, as well as revisit some of the comments there from uh, Minister Dix that we just heard. So stay tuned. And the Jeff Andrea Show will be right back. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me today. So yesterday, BC Health officials presented some new modeling information. You know, what are things going to look like here in the coming weeks and months? Well... One of the big notes from yesterday was Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry talking about the possibility of getting to zero cases by the middle of next month. Now, as of the modeling presentation yesterday, there were 807 active cases of COVID-19 in BC. You know, there's been more than 2,200 confirmed cases of the virus with over 1,400 people having fully recovered. So 807 active cases as of 1.30 yesterday afternoon. Now, that number feels manageable And that is sort of the message that we got here from our provincial health officer, Dr. Henry, that that's going to be the key as we move ahead, keeping the number of active cases at a manageable level. If we increase our number of contacts, basically double what we are now, we might have increased numbers of cases and some hospitalizations, but they would be manageable. So as we start to open things up, it's imperative, obviously, that we maintain the cautious approach that most people have been operating on, you know, for the past six plus weeks. We have been operating here in BC at about 20% of normal, right? That's the data we have been receiving, right? Our daily activity in the province is about one-fifth of what we would normally see on on an average day. But as we talk about starting to open things up a bit, you know, people are going to want to start seeing their friends and their family and have those social interactions. But we need to keep that conservative approach in order to avoid any major spikes. Our challenge is to find that sweet spot, increasing our contacts, but without allowing those opportunities for rapidly exponential growth of the virus in our communities. We need to ensure that our health system continues to have the capacity, both for COVID-19, but also for all of those other health issues. So as we go through these next four or five weeks, we need to remember that we can't just have a full-on free-for-all and do whatever the heck we want. We need to maintain our distance, not have big groups and small spaces. And Bonnie Henry reiterated that point again yesterday. If we go back to December, where we were having lots of gatherings, we could expect the virus to increase exponentially. And we might be in a situation that we've seen in other places around the world where we have a rapidly increasing outbreak, rapidly increased number of people who need hospitalization. 
Health Minister Adrian Dix explained it to me a little bit in our chat here just this past segment. You know, what does getting to zero cases actually mean? Because if it doesn't mean we can go back to so-called normal and we can start traveling anywhere and everywhere, what exactly does getting to zero cases actually do for people other than, you know, having it sound real nice and, and be a real positive news story? I think it's continuing to flatten the curve. I suspect they're going to continue to be there. There are going to continue to be cases. COVID-19 is in there. It's in our communities all over the province uh, with different degrees of intensity. And so that's why we have to be we have to be prudent in terms of dealing with uh, transmission as we become more active, as we open up more businesses, as people return to work more the physical distancing requirements are going to be more important not less important because we're going to have to, we're going to be together more in different settings which means that physical distancing and uh and engineering controls that we put in place that we'll put in place are going to be uh more important so with all of that I'm very much looking forward to what Premier John Horgan will say tomorrow when he starts detailing some of how we will begin to reopen our economy so that that's coming tomorrow, and I'm, I'm sure we will all keep our eyes glued uh, to find out how exactly that's going to work, right? That's the question that everyone has been asking for quite some time. How are we going to start ramping life back up? And I, I hope we get some good detail from the Premier tomorrow. Now, another interesting point that I wanted to break out from yesterday's news, or data shows that more than 74% of COVID-19 deaths in BC have been men, despite men representing only 44% of total cases. And Dr. Henry says, but while the mortality rate has been higher for people age 70 and older, people younger than that are also getting it more often. I will also point out, though, that younger people are not immune. And we are seeing people as young as 20s and 30s who require hospitalization and, that, and also who've been in the intensive care unit. Most of the people who have been affected, so that's people who've tested positive for COVID-19, most of them have been the, between the ages of, of 30 and 60. And there's been more women than men affected. So what we can see from that, most of the people who have been sick with this illness are people between the ages of 30 and 60. So we have stressed throughout this whole pandemic that we need to protect the most vulnerable. We need to protect the elderly and those with compromised immune systems. But what about everyone else? Well, perhaps you don't need to be as concerned when it comes to your mortality as it relates to COVID-19, but that's probably the wrong message and the wrong attitude as it can clearly impact just about anybody and everybody. And no matter how you feel when it comes to you being fit and healthy and young and spry, there is still a chance that the novel coronavirus will take you down for some time and many, many, Many people have said to me that this is not a virus that you want to get. It is not fun to live with. It's not fun to get over. So for everybody out there, just, just maintain your cautious approach to life. And, and I'm sure most of you are continuing with that, but I know we're all getting a little bit anxious. Now, um, with that all being said, I wanted to end off my spiel here on the topic of sports. I know there's more important things in life than sports, but it was brought up yesterday when Dr. Henry said that there is the possibility for things such as Little League Baseball to move ahead this summer. And Minister Dix doubled down on that here with me earlier today. I think it's really important that we play and uh, especially the kids have the opportunity to play. Baseball is a sport I think that's quite well suited um, to physical distancing. Right? It's uh, say more suited to it than, oh, I don't know, a Jeff rugby, for example. Um, and so I think it's really important that, that we work and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna work with uh, Little League and other organizations because I know the season usually ends in June for most people or goes kind of April to June for most people and then 
there's some some uh, elite events after that to, to create some opportunities to play, for example, baseball this summer. I think it is definitely possible to play some form of baseball. <laughs> like there is minimal interaction between players when it comes to baseball, right? You got someone uh, at home plate for a catcher. You got a pitcher on the mound. You got a guy at first, second, third, and then people out in center, left, and right field. I mean, they're all pretty spread out. The only real issue when it comes to you know possible interaction with players on the field is when you're on base, right? When a runner gets on base, then you have to maybe tag them out or even a force out, right? You have to touch the base and then your feet are going to come within a couple of inches uh, from each other. So there is uh, some small possibility, I think, for... Uh, well, there's not a small possibility of contact. There is a, a definite possibility of contact. There will be some contact, but it can be kept to a minimum. So it seems like one of those sports that is possible, right? It's not like rugby, as Minister Dix had mentioned to me before, where your hands are all over everybody and you're tackling people and you're, uh, you know, getting in dog piles. These things are obviously... Obviously, uh, not something that uh, would be recommended by the health authority figures out there. But, uh, you know, b- baseball seems like something that, that could be viable. But what about hockey, right? We're in Canada. Hockey's our sport. What's going on when it comes to hockey? Specifically, what com- what's happening when it comes to the National Hockey League? Well, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman told media last month that the league is looking at, you know, two to four cities as hubs to play out the rest of the season over the summer months. So as long as the games are held in accordance with public health orders, and all indications are that Vancouver would be among those sites that could be possible as a host facility. According to TSN's Bob McKenzie, the location could be anywhere besides a, quote, COVID-19 hotspot, right? So we're talking New York City, places like that. Obviously, uh, Toronto has, has been dealing with with a, a pretty big hotspot of, of being a COVID-19 um you know, area where we're seeing a lot of the virus. So those kinds of places would be out. But Vancouver here in BC, right? Like I said, 807 active cases. That's manageable. We're at a manageable level. Those are not all right in the Vancouver, in Metro Vancouver. So I think it is a possibility. And Dr. Henry sure made it sound like Vancouver being a host site for NHL games is something that is at least being talked about. I think it's an interesting idea. And I think there are ways that we could look at having games being played, perhaps in in BC. Um, Hockey would be one that we we could certainly um, look at. There would be parameters that we've talked about. So I would not see there being um, an in-ice audience, for example, but we could broadcast the games. Minister Dix also spoke about having no fans in the stands if that were to happen. It makes sense for those pro leagues because they rely so heavily on TV revenue, whereas junior hockey relies a little bit more on ticket sales. So, uh, you know, probably not going to be seeing any WHL games here. Uh, Well, obviously the season's already been canceled, so we're just hoping to see things ramp back up for September and October. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that's going to happen. I know all the Kamloops Blazers fans who are out there listening are hoping for that same thing as well. We want to see it go ahead in the fall, but with that being said, in the interim, it looks like the NHL is a real possibility. There's ways that uh, players can take precautions to ensure that there's physical distancing. And, you know, when we think of hockey, which I love, um, the, the, you know, people are wearing face masks. So there's ways that uh, players are protected when they're on the ice. So I absolutely think that these are the types of, of things that we need to think about, um, how we can do them safely during this summer. So I sure hope it's possible. I know there are many out there who just think we should cancel hockey, cancel sports, and just get it over with and stop worrying about, uh, you know, these not not critical matters when it comes to life, right? We don't need sports, but it's a great thing to have. And as an NHL fanatic myself, 
I just want to see it, and I am more than willing to watch hockey in August if that's what it comes down to with no fans in the stands. Not quite the same energy, I'm sure, but I'm ready for it, and I've been disappointed that we've lost the playoffs, so I would really like to see some playoff hockey soon, even though it really doesn't count as being the same season at this point because anything that happens now, uh, well, I mean, things looked a heck of a lot different a month and a half, two months ago when they were still playing. So it's not really the same season at this stage of the game, but that doesn't change the fact that they played over 70 games, a lot of teams, and that's the majority of the season, and uh, we're ready to come back. Anyways, all right, that's enough. I digress. Let's take a quick break. You guys heard some of my analysis from yesterday's, uh, you know, hour-and-a-half-long press conference. So let's take a quick break, and the Jeff Andrea Show will be right back after this. opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on Tuesday, May 5th. Uh, building activity in Kamloops seems to be doing quite well. And I'm joined on the phone now by the Building and Engineering Development Manager for the City of Kamloops, Jason Dixon. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm well, Jeff. How are you? Ah, I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. So total permit values issued to date in Kamloops is at nearly $84 million, almost $20 million more than recorded at the same time last year. So those are year-to-date figures, so we're talking the first full full four months of 2020. What, what is driving this right now? I mean, just, what are we seeing such uh, good numbers here in Kamloops so far? Um, I think big driver. We've we've talked about it, um, you know, for a couple of years now. The the patient care tower at Royal Inland Hospital, um, giant project, um, multiple permits for the construction of that. So you'll notice uh, in the stats, we had one permit went out uh, in April for that project. It was sort of the exterior cladding or envelope for the building was 11.9 million dollars. And we've issued other permits for that project already this year that kind of help drive the construction value. Um, we still see strength in some big multifamily projects. In particular, in April, we had a permit went out the door for a project at 167th 6th Avenue. So that's where the old Odeon Theater was. Um, and that's a 121-unit affordable seniors building, or is going to be. Um, and it had a construction value of $16 million. So big projects. Yeah, and, and I want to go back to the, the patient care tower there. Like you said, almost $12 million for that one institutional permit last month. That equals, you know, almost a third of, of total values for the month. So I'm just wondering, you know, it looks really great and all the, the number value is very positive, but uh, does that maybe skew things to maybe looking a little bit better than they are just because one project is so major and, and it obviously elevates all the other numbers as a result? I think it skews things a little bit, but I don't know if I would say it skews it to make things look better than they are. Um, when I look at sort of where we're at in April, we issued 133 permits this year. April last year was 135. Um, year to date, we've issued 450 permits this year versus 395 last year. So there's lots of activity out there. Uh, when you look at some of the other sectors, uh, 33 single-family dwellings so far this year versus 27 last year, um, 20 duplexes this year versus 17 last year. So, you know, you look at the the different sectors, some are up, some are down a little bit, but uh, even if you take the hospital out, uh, so far it's, we've off to a good start this year. 
Um, and, and doubling back to a little bit, just specifically to the month of April, because we talked, um, you know, early April about what happened in March, and really it was the middle of March, right, where COVID sort of took a, a real hold on on our economy and, and the way we live our lives. So, um, but authorities, of course, have kept saying, you know, we haven't really seen a full closure in BC, like there has been in other cases, and one of the major sectors they keep talking about is the fact that construction in the province has pretty well continued almost a, as normal. And last month in April, over 37 million in permits issued, 5 million more than the April of 2019. So, I mean, this sounds to me like construction in Kamloops is, is virtually unaffected by COVID-19. Is, is that a fair assessment? Um, I don't think I'd say it's unaffected. We've we've definitely seen a slowing in permit applications come in through April. A lot of these permits that were issued were, you know, permits that were processed in March and picked up in April. Um, so we've seen definitely seen a bit of a slowdown in applications being made. But on the other side, when it comes to inspections, um, we have our daily inspection list. People call in. Today's list had 38 items on it, which is a little bit bigger than we've seen over the last few weeks. I think most days we have 20 to 30 items on the inspection list, which is smaller than we would normally expect. This is kind of one of our busy, busy times of year. Um, but the good news story uh, in that to me is that it means people are working and, you know, construction can't happen as quick as it ne- maybe normally would. You have fewer people on site, you know, social distancing, all that. It kind of affects the rate at which construction can happen. But, but to me, the fact that we're doing inspections every day is a good sign that people are out there working and, and earning a paycheck. Uh, I also wanted to touch a little bit on just uh, residential uh, permits specifically. I, you know, I've spoken to the Real Estate Association here in town often speaks about low inventory. Uh, and so 33 new single-family homes started so far this year or have had permits issued for them so far in 2020. Ten of those permits issued last month. Doesn't sound like a whole lot in terms of new home builds. And then I guess when you also look at multifamily units, right, uh, 118 multifamily units in April for a total of 314 to date. I uh, was just wondering if you could maybe give me a description in terms of, you know, the the new home building market in Kamloops? I mean, is there a way that you can describe it? Is it strong? Is it mediocre? What what is there a way to really paint a picture of, of how this looks, I guess, compared to the overall housing picture uh, that uh, of existing inventory now? I mean, when we're looking to bring new stuff in, is this, a, is this are these positive good stats? I think, I think it is good stats. Um, we've seen for a few years near there's few years now there's been a lot of strength in in multifamily uh, especially apartment type buildings um, and we continue continue to see strength in in that market and and I think it's uh, uh, it's just pent-up demand I mean we went how many years in Kamloops without I don't I can't remember the how long it, we went without seeing an apartment type building built so I think there's a lot of demand there and and I think it just reflects people's different needs and wants as far as housing types um, you know there still is a strong market for single-family dwellings and people want that type of housing but there is also a market for more compact housing types more affordable housing types and I think I think there's a it's a good sign that in Kamloops there's a variety of housing types being produced for people um, it, it means that we're sort of meeting the needs of the entire market yeah, well, I hope that's, uh, that is positive. I mean, it sounds positive, and uh, I know there is a need for, for more types of housing here in the city, so I'm glad to see that that's taking place. And, um, yeah, happy to, happy to have you on, Jason. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to me. I think this is three months in a row we've done this, and uh, I'm getting more intrigued every time. So definitely <laughs> look forward to doing it again here in, in June. Hopefully we can uh, take a look back at May and, and see some more positive numbers. Really appreciate your time. 
Of course. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. You as well. That was uh, Jason Dixon, the Building and Engineering Development Manager here for the City of Kamloops. And just uh, one more time to kind of go over those numbers here real quick. So $37 million, just over $37 million worth of permits issued in uh, the month of April. And that compares to about $32 million in the same month of 2019. So about a $5 million increase just in the month alone. And the year to date, well, almost $84 million total building permit value issued so far in 2020 compared to $64 million in 2019. So about uh, $20 million more worth of construction taking place uh, here so far in Kamloops in 2020 compared to last year. So it all sounds good to me. Well, that sounds like uh, about time for me to wrap things up. So on that note, I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll be back here tomorrow at noon.